You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Gentlemen, start your engines! The following is a paid program. Warning. The views expressed come from men who've spent half their lives in grease-stained overalls, inhaling hazardous fluids. Before taking any advice, consider the source. This program will contain humor of a questionable nature. A mechanic tries to fix your car. No matter if you're near or far. Here, change your oil or fix your flat. And you'll do it just like that. Buckle up, everyone. It's time to get this show on the road. Time for Dave's Corner Garage, your Saturday morning joyride on Zoomer Radio. Got a car question for Dave or Alan? Call now, 416-360-0740. Or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Okay, Al, give it a shot. Hey, you know, it's hard to do both things at the same time. This is Dave's Corner Garage. That's where Dave would normally start talking, right? But he's not right now because Dave is on assignment. We sent him down south, and he's uh, checking out. Uh, I wonder if he's going to be checking out some racetracks because uh, I'm going to, uh, what's it called? Homestead, as a matter of fact, for the final NASCAR race. It's very exciting. But you have a really good co-host with you today. I do, as a matter of fact. <laughs> he's a guy who loves cars. He doesn't have quite the hands-on experience that I do. Which is true. But but a lot more of, uh, you know, he's been a car fan his whole life. The philosophy of the automobile. Exactly, and all about driving and about race cars and everything like that. Norris McDonald, the previous uh, publisher Spit it of... Out. Okay, Spit previous it out. publisher. It out. The reason I we, am the wheels editor emeritus okay, for the cool. Toronto Star. Uh, that's great. And uh, I've been reading your columns for years and always intriguing and always thought-provoking. And sometimes I throw it away and go, what the hell is the guy talking What's about? What's he talking Seriously, about? Seriously. You're not the only one. <laughs> I get lots of mail. And uh, for all those fish and chip sh- shops have loved you for years, too, eh? <laughs> and we also have... Very this- nice. Very nice. <laughs> this is okay. The bottom of bird cages. We've all, yes. you know, yeah, we yeah, all yeah. know where newspapers wind up. I, and I thought the fish and chip was a much better, much nicer kind of. Well, uh, it's an, a nicer analogy. That's true, there but it's go. kind of greasy. All right, and to make sure that we stay within the rules of the law, we have with us from Omvic, Michael Rothy. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And a little later on, we're going to talk about buying and selling, and what you need to know about what your rights are when it comes to uh, buying a car, and uh, just to, also he'll tell you probably where you should be buying them from. Because a lot of people think, I'm going to save some money and get one down at the donut shop. It ain't such a good idea. And uh, we will be talking to him right after the break. And, of course, we've also got later on in the show, we've got Jeff Coy from Lant Insurance. Uh, pretty much everybody that we did our, uh, our uh, what do you call it, the town hall meeting at. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you caught it, but you can see it on the Internet. And uh, I hear the music. That means we have to go. And, of course, we're uh, if you've got a call, you're welcome to call us right now. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. This is Dave's Corner Garage. Dave's not here. I'm uh, Alan Gelman from Glen Allen Motors. We have Norris McDonald from the Toronto Daily Star. Remember, it used to be called the Daily Star. It used to be called the Daily Star. Hasn't been called that since about 1902, (laughs) though. Gelman, are you actually older than Dave now? uh, No, I'm younger than Dave. It doesn't sound. I mean, Daily Star. No, and as a matter of fact, you've been busy with the car show. 
Absolutely. Uh, presenting seminars down there, representing mm-hmm. the Toronto Star, uh, standing at the booth asking questions. Uh, of course, the Toronto Star booth has been a, a major magnet mm-hmm. during the auto show because of that absolutely incredible concept car, the Aston Martin Red Bull Racing 001. I was disappointed when I looked underneath. There's no car underneath. Well, it's a concept. <laughs> exactly. And there's no motor in it. There's no insides in it. But Multimatic uh-huh. of Markham, yes. which has its finger in just about every automotive pie on the planet. Well, they're building the Cobra. They're built. Well, they're building the Cobra, but they're building, they're going to build this car. Super. And, uh, of course, they're turning out the Ford GT. Mm-hmm. And if you've been in the Ford display over there, talk about a good-looking car. Yeah. The, the road version is much nicer to look at than actually the racing version. Is it actually? It's not the Cobra. The that Ford GT is not on the road yet, is it? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, remember they're only building four hundred and fifty total. Right. So they're not exactly you know your family minivan going down the road. Oh, but but there there are there are people who have purchased that car have started to take delivery. And uh, yeah, once the summer gets, I doubt very much if somebody is driving at this time mm-hmm. of year. But as soon as the weather warms up... We'll be seeing them on and, the road. And they'll talk, take them out for track days at Mosport, or, pardon me, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. Super. And, uh, well, thank you for that. Yeah. Speaking of buying cars, you know, so many people lease cars nowadays. And, you know, we were talking in the green room prior where, uh, again, people just sort of accept that I can afford this much a month. And, and they've got blinders on, and they're not necessarily seeing the whole picture. Michael, what can you express? Go on about that. <laughs> One of the things we try to tell consumers these days is uh, not to be what we call a mon- monthly payment junkie. Okay. It's so easy. You know, you, you, you budget on a monthly basis. You look to see how much car you can afford on a monthly basis. So let's say $200 a month. That mm-hmm. seems reasonable. Um, but that's not the whole story. We want, we want people to look at the total cost of the vehicle, and that includes, you know, what the final, final cost is going to be. Because, of course, the term of the loan is going to impact how much you're going to pay per month, mm-hmm. whether you're paying... $200 a month for five years or eight years is going to make a substantial difference. Also okay. include things like insurance and uh, uh, gas and maintenance costs. Those are things that you want to factor in so there's no nasty surprises when you get down the road. Exactly. And as well, like last week uh, at the car show, as a matter of fact, they were giving mm-hmm. out the award for cars with the best residual value. Subaru. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the Japanese generally holding their value the best. Now that also be- has something to do with your lease payments. For sure. You know, and, and uh, you heard uh, our friend from uh, at least Buster Stock CA talk about that. Mm-hmm. And, and it... it uh, Different uh, payment methods available for everybody. Some people pay cash. Some people uh, finance the vehicle. Some mm-hmm. people lease. Depends on what your personal preference is, how much you want to be in a new car, and also um, what you can afford. Now, if people need more information about this, is there where can they get it from OMVIC? So OMVIC has a number of uh, resources available, but primarily these days everybody's using the web. So uh-huh. if you go to www.omvic.ca, we'll have lots of uh, tools available for consumers. Just to, there's a consumer link, mm-hmm. and a lot of it's very, very, very uh, consumer-friendly and, and uh, you know, graphical, so it's easy to, to spend some time. And, and our recommendation is, you know, it's, I love cars. Cars are great. It's, it's fun to, to research them, but when you're thinking of buying a car, spend 5, 10, 15 minutes before you make that purchase and... Um, do some research on how you're going to pay for the thing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we all know sometimes that the amount of legwork that people do is just to look at the car and say, it's sexy, I like the color, and they buy it. It blows me away. Um, as a matter of fact, I saw recently that, um, you know, years ago the criteria when people went to look at a car was they want to know, of course, how much it costs, but they want to know reliability and, and, and the cost of maintenance and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Apparently, because cars are better now to a degree, those factors aren't right at the top anymore. 
You know, the interesting thing I, I, I've noticed uh, over the years doing this is that, well, you're right, cars do last longer. And are just, I think it's hard to buy a bad car these days. Um, they feel older sooner. Uh, the technology <laughs> now is such that, you know, within a year, well, how come I don't have Apple Play in my car? Or, or exactly. Yeah. What do you mean I have to turn my head around when I want to back up? What's that all about? You get used to it. Yeah, no yeah. question about it. And you have an older car, too? I do. Yeah, I have a uh, 81 uh, BMW 320i. Mm-hmm. And, and Norris, what are you driving? Well, I'm driving a Ford F-150, and okay. I love it. But my question for Michael, sure. and and as editor of Wheels for many years, I used to say, you know, they build millions and millions of wonderful cars, and yet within that millions and millions, there's going to be legitimate lemons in there. What what recourse do people have uh, when they drive, maybe drive for a week, and suddenly find that... It's chugging along, and all of a sudden, it's not what they thought that they were getting. It's a brand new car. So there's a couple of options. If you're buying a, if you're saying not a brand new car, or it is a brand new car. So if it's a brand new car, you can go to CamVap, and so this is a number of the manufacturers, not all of them. Uh, it's Just a voluntary explain, program. Explain to listeners what CamVap so is. So CamVap is uh, sort of an arbitration process, mm-hmm. uh, and what they'll do is uh, you purchase the vehicle. If you have some problems, you try to get it corrected by the the dealership and the manufacturer. If they're unable to do it, you can go to CamVap, and they'll arbitrate. You can, and they there's certain recourses that they'll give you to get your money back. Right, and, and yeah. the owner has to be reasonable. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, as much as, you know, your car is brand new, I, I, I had to learn that when I worked at the dealership right away to, uh, you know, you have to be compassionate because the person just bought the car. Maybe it was just last week and now it won't start and you're kind of ticked off. That's mm-hmm. a nice way of saying just, it. Just a little bit. But exactly, but, but you have to be reasonable. You have to understand that things go wrong sometimes. Sure. Sure. And as long as the dealer is trying to help you, which I, I'm guessing they probably are going to really want to. Probably. They're going to try to alleviate yeah. the problem and get you back on the road because they want you to be happy with that car and, and buy another one. But CamVap, of course, is if you get no satisfaction yeah. after going back so many times, they're there to help you. Yeah. We also offer a, uh, offer a uh, complaint resolution process as well where we'll step in and try and uh, mediate between the, the dealer and the, and the consumer. Now, this is on the used car side, though. This is yeah. on registered dealers. So used cars, new cars, if they're registered with OMVIC, you're protected. And that's the important thing. I don't know if people heard, but it's got to be a registered dealer. I don't know if you can hear the music, but we do have to pay some bills, so we're going to have to jump out. And uh, we're going to be back with my guests and uh, more right after this break. Welcome back to Dave's Corner Garage. In today is Alan Gelman taking the helm, that along with me. Norris McDonald from the Toronto Star and Michael Roth from Omvic. We're going to take your calls shortly. Back to you, Alan. Thank you. We've got three ladies standing by, as a matter of fact. Uh, all right. We're going to talk to Maria, who's online, too, who's got a mechanical question. I'm guessing, Maria, what can we do for you today? Good morning. Good morning. I have a 2009 Honda Civic with uh-huh. about 106,000 kilometers. And I'm just wondering, is it time to, t- to change the transmission and brake fluids? By all means. If you have, is it automatic, the car? It is. Yeah, definitely you want to change the transmission fluid, and you want to change the brake fluid as well if it's never been done. Uh, both are things that will make the car last longer, make it more reliable. And, uh, I, again, new tranny fluid will make a big difference in the way the car drives. When they change the transmission fluid, they do it all at one time, or do they do like a little bit in? Well, normally if they, if they take the drain plug out and drain it, you're right. They're only going to get maybe two or three liters. Um, and, and in terms on the labor side of it, it's really not that big a deal. So um, I prefer that rather than doing a whole power flush, which a lot of places will like to do, uh, because you can disturb some other stuff. And again, because it's so inexpensive, you may want to do it now, and then maybe a year or two from now you could do it again, so you're going to get more of that bad fluid out. All righty? 
Thank you very much. Thanks, Maria. Take care. And don't forget, if you get any any kind of a transmission challenges, you can go to uh, mrtransmission.com. They can plug in the location that's nearest you, and off you go. You can you can flush your way to a weekend. And uh, and <laughs> listen, and if it's a question about whether it's working properly or not, they do a free road test, so you can't really go wrong with that. He missed that, Norris. I did. Um, <laughs> right over his he's, bald head. He's he's concentrating. I know he's very focused today. All right, we're going to go to line three because we've got Delilah on the phone, and she's got a question about leasing. What can we do for you? Hello. Oh, Lila. Hello. Yes. Hi, Lila. You got a question? Oh, hi there. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What's your question? Oh, I just uh, leased the car uh, last week, and uh, they brought it to me, brand new. Twenty-seven. Yeah, brand new. And uh, when they brought it to me, I looked on it. It was fifty-eight thousand kilometers. Now, is that supposed to be fifty-eight if it's brand new? Isn't it supposed to start off at zero? <laughs> you would, well almost fifty. So sorry, at fifty-eight thousand or fifty-eight kilometers. Kilometers, fifty-eight kilometers. Yeah, fifty-eight kilometers. Okay. Well, what kind of car is it? It's a a, a Hyundai. Okay. So you know what? You you answered the question right there because you have to understand that car came from I'm guessing Korea. Okay. Uh huh. And so it's built in a plant where absolutely when the speedometer or odometer went in the car there was zero mileage. Okay. But then it got driven off the property. Um, it got driven to a place where the, the docks, where the, the, the car had to go onto a, uh, onto a ship. And then when it came across the ocean. So, you know, and, and who knows, maybe they take it for a test drive too. And, and ultimately the dealer's job, as a mechanic who works in a dealership before, when you're doing a PDI or pre-delivery inspection, you know, you put the plates on the car, you, you've, you've checked all the levels, you made sure the wheels are tight, and now you take it around the block yourself. So you could very easily put five or ten kilometers on the car. Yeah. So at, at that point, you know, that, that's how the miles got on there. Yeah, my new, my yeah it's very common. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very common. Yeah, so it's totally normal. Okay. All righty. Lots now, of luck with it. Used cars. <laughs> Curbsiders. When the weather gets like this, people are out <laughs> shopping around. Is this a busy time of the year for you guys? It can be. We're actually probably one of the busiest uh, jurisdictions in North America in terms of uh, curbside enforcement. Uh, we recently did a survey, and we found that about 25% of all ads, uh, private ads, are actually by curbsiders. Now, just well, explain quickly for people who are not regular listeners, what's a curbsider? So a curbsider is somebody who's in the business of buying and selling motor vehicles, but is posing as a private seller. So uh, typically uh, what we'll find is they'll, they'll, they'll purchase really, you know, uh, sh- I'd say questionable vehicles. You are going to say... Um, the, the other word. Smooth. Smooth. <laughs> I like that. Got himself, right? I was going to say shady, but shady, anyways. there you yeah. go. <laughs> flush. You can have flush and shady in the first you half know, hour. <laughs> I've been listening and the jokes write themselves. There you go. Um, but, but, yeah, but so there you, are people you, who are not licensed. They're not licensed. By and crappy not cars. Gonna, and they're not going to tell you that the truth of the vehicle. I will say, however, when we compare ourselves to other jurisdictions, you can see about upwards of 40 45% in other jurisdictions of ads being by curbsiders. So we're, we're quite effective, but you're never going to get that number down to zero. So the whole idea, of course, is that... But, but you try to get the curbsiders off the curb, right? We do, and uh, some of them can be pretty uh, uh, bullheaded about it. We have one individual who um, we charged him with uh, uh, curbsiding. He's spinning back the odometer, selling damaged vehicles as if wow. they were brand new. While we were in court with him, we caught him a second and a third time. Ultimately, uh, he was sentenced to 28 months in prison. So these guys really? do go to jail eventually. They do. They well, do. That's a good thing. That's a good thing because they shouldn't be doing it. I mean, like you say, they're being quite deceptive, always lying about the cars. Um, and, you know, and, and as much as people like to save money nowadays, or they always like to save money, right. uh, you're better off going to a registered dealer 
a licensed dealer because then you have some protection because, you know, if you buy from a curbsider, a lot of times you can't help them, correct? You are protected. We don't help if you buy from a, a private seller. You are protected if you buy from a registered dealer. If, but, you know, uh, some people uh, prefer to buy from a private, and we do have tools on our website to help those individuals identify a legitimate private sale from a curbsider. All right, super. And after the break, we're going to be talking to Norris, who's going to be phoning someone special. And uh, he's a Canadian. and a he's Canadian, in a- and he's in the Daytona 500. Yeah, baby. We'll be right back. Uh, February 14th. All right, this is Dave's Corner Garage, and uh, my name is Alan Gelman. Beside me is Mr. McDonald from the uh, wheel section of the local newspaper and uh, working at the car show. Absolutely. This is the last weekend. Well, last weekend, and it has been a record-setting car show. Yeah, we were there last week, and and they opened the doors, and like these hordes of people came in. I was going to say, eh? they set unbelievable records. Mm -hmm. And these are legitimate records, by the way. These Mm -hmm. are not crowd estimates. Right. These aren't freebies. These are tickets that are sold that, uh, or perhaps dealerships are giving to some of their customers. You didn't use the same people that Trump did for the inauguration, eh? Because there was millions of people. There there. were millions of people. (laughs) I was down there. No, I'm okay. Um, But yeah, just absolutely delightful. And uh, it set a benchmark that... uh, I think is going to be a challenge to surpass, mm-hmm. but I have every confidence that Jason Campbell and his team are going to just make this show bigger and better every year. You know what? When people can go there and see the things that are happening in the future, they can see prototypes. They can drive cars that aren't even of a... I've got, I've got to slip something in here. Yeah, sure. Okay? No. First of all, 16, <laughs> 16 prototypes. Right. 16 concept cars, rather. Right, right, right. right. And, and that is more than you will find at any other auto show that's going on just at about this time. Mm-hmm. And here's another key thing. With the exception of Tesla, and we still haven't figured out why Tesla decided not to come this year. Right. They're across every the street. Every manufacturer, mm-hmm. every manufacturer doing business in Canada is at that auto show. And that is not the case or was not the case at the Detroit Auto Show. A lot of people take a pass on that's it. That's right. Yeah. Taking a pass and it's getting worse by year. Mm-hmm. Paris, Paris, four of the major European automobile manufacturers skipped the Paris Auto Show this year. So I think, number one, the Toronto Auto Show is doing something right by uh, added, extra added attractions mm-hmm. of things like Auto Exotica. Right. This year we celebrated 50 years of Formula One Grand Prix racing in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yep. Last year we did uh, the 100th anniversary of the Indianapolis 500. We got Art and the Automobile. 150 years of manufacturing and collecting in Canada with uh, in the context of the history of the country. Mm-hmm. And so I think people go to the auto show first and foremost to see the new models and to see what everybody is offering and what's coming up. But you know what? It's also an entertainment experience. Oh, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. And it's, it's really neat when you see people moved. You know, they see vehicles that they grew up with. You right. know, I, 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 I coveted that car when I was a teenager. I mean, you've got cars from the 70s there now. Right. Um, you know, the old muscle cars. And and the, the the cars and art. I mean, when they didn't let us into the build to the to the, the the display when we were there for media day, but they had that big old boat out front, that Harley Earl car. Right. That was was <laughs> it looked like about a football field long. Yeah, I know. I was going to say absolutely. Try to park that sucker <laughs> at downtown Toronto in three or four parking spaces. All right. Well, we're lucky enough right now. We happen to have DJ Kennington on the radio and or on the telephone, I should say, and. Uh, 
Go ahead, Norris, if you want to introduce him. DJ, uh, congratulations. You are in the field for the Daytona 500, the first Canadian in 29 years to make that field. DJ, first of all, tell us how exciting you excited you are. And number two, what took us so long? Oh, man, crazy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, just uh, really excited and uh, awesome to have this opportunity. And why do you think it took 29 years for us to, for Canadian stock car driver to actually get into the great American race? Well, it just, it just took me a long time to get it figured out. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess people don't realize the costs involved in this. Eh? It's not like you can just uh, pick one up on, uh, on auto trader and then just drive her down. You know, this, I mean, the, the, yeah, no, it's just an opportunity with a good race team. Uh, obviously you can't just go and, buy a car and go try to run the Daytona 500. It doesn't quite work like that. So, um, I mean, to be able to work with this race team and so on has been a really good deal for me. Now, DJ, did you did you buy the car or, or parts of the car from existing teams? Is that how they do it? Uh, Marty Gaunt owns the race car, Gaunt Brothers Racing, and uh-huh. um, it uh, he bought the cars from Michael Waltrip Racing. Michael Waltrip, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so is it a Toyota you're yeah. driving then? It is a Toyota yeah. that you're driving then. Yes, it is. Okay, super. DJ, tell us yeah. the delightful story of how this came together. Uh, I understand you weren't feeling too well. You wanted to, it was the night of the Castrol uh, Christmas party. Uh, you were going to stay home. Your wife said, no, no, we're going. And that's when wow. your longtime sponsor, Castrol, said, hey, DJ, you want to go to the uh, Daytona 500? We'll bankroll you. <laughs> It was like that. Um, like I say, I wasn't feeling the best, and I didn't really want to go. And my wife told me, you know, you better go. It's, uh, you know, a few hours. You might as well go. So I didn't have to ask you twice if you wanted to run in Daytona. No, well, you know, I kind of told them that we had an opportunity to run the Daytona 500. And um, they're like, really, you do? And I was like, yeah, we have an opportunity. I said, I'm trying to find a little bit of sponsorship and see if we can't put a program together. And well, they started talking back and forth to each other, and next thing I know, they Dr. Dave stuck his hand out and says, well, let's go see if we can't run the Daytona 500. I was like, well, that's working out pretty good. So um, I made a few phone calls, and uh, we got the ball rolling, and here we are. And uh, a lot of people may don't follow racing necessarily, but you've been running the Pinty Series in Canada for a number of years now? Yeah, since it started, um, basically it was Cascar before NASCAR, mm-hmm. and uh, we started that. Uh, 1993. So, right. and you've won the series uh, title a, a couple of times. Yeah, we we finally did. It took us a long time, but we got it done. And, um, I think we've got 26 races. Uh, we've won between the two series, and um, yeah, like I say, it just I think proves my age with how many starts and how many races. We've <laughs> <laughs> well, it does take an awful lot of experience. And that was another question I had, too. You know, our, our local tracks are maybe, you know, half mile or one mile. You're, you'll be racing uh, Daytona as a super speedway. Have you had any experience there? Oh, it's uh, just uh, three times of the Xfinity cars. Um, I was there. The last time I think I was there was 2008. Mm-hmm. So I um, had a little bit of experience, but uh, nothing like this with a cup car. So uh, it's kind of all new to all of us. And, um like, the guys have done a great job with the car. I mean, they've worked their butts off getting it ready to go. And um, it's so far so good. I think mean, we have a decent car. And with Laura Colin Castro and TRD behind us, um, you know, we're going to try to put on a good effort on Sunday. Is there a Canadian flag on the car? 
Absolutely, right beside my name. There you go, super. <laughs> hey, uh, right. Marty John actually motors Canadian as well, so yeah. it's, uh, it's kind of a cool deal. All right, well, DJ, I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, we want to wish you the best of luck. Stay safe. Stay near the front of the pack. And What's hopefully... the number of your car? Oh, it's 96. 96. All right. When it's... I'm signing autographs, I always got to remember not to write 15. Yeah, right. You are You are in a different series. Best of luck, DJ. You're going off 28th, 40-car field. Uh, stay cool. Stay, sit back. Be a little cautious and make it through to the end. And uh, you never know. As you said uh, yesterday when we were talking, the last couple laps, all hell always breaks yeah. loose at the Daytona 500. You can wind up in victory lane. All right. Good luck. Yeah, we're good. Thanks. I uh, appreciate it. Have a good day. Bring it home. Take care, DJ. Bring it home. You're listening to Dave's Corner Garage. We'll take your calls. And we have some more information coming up for you before the break is finished up, along with Norris McDonald and Alan Gelman and Michael Roth from Omvic. This is Dave's Corner Garage. Stay with us. Welcome back to Dave's Corner Garage. Here he is sitting in a wider chair for Dave. <laughs> Much wider. The chair's Alan like, Gilman. it's worn out. There's so much room back here. Well, let's not go there. <laughs> All right, you know what? Uh, we're going to set it up and speak to Mr. Lant in just a couple minutes. But right now, I'm going to go back to the phones. I've got Arthur in Etobicoke, who's got a problem with brakes. What can we do for you, Arthur? Yes, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, a little while ago, I used to back out of my garage, and one back wheel used to groan like crazy. Now, I took it in to get it fixed. They told me it was just rust accumulated from the winter. Mm-hmm. Now, they cleaned that all out. And about two weeks later, now it's just squealing like a bloody pig every time I back out of the garage in the morning. Can you tell me what's wrong with that? I, are you a farmer? Do you have pigs in the driveway? Or? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> okay, so it's, it's not a little pink four-legged person. You know what? It is quite common that brakes do squeal when they're cold because I'm going to probably ask, what I'm going to ask you now is that when, when you go forward, um, you know, and you hit the brakes a few times, you don't hear the noise anymore, do you? That's right. Okay, and, and again, backing up, even after it's warmed up, there's no sound, correct? Uh, no, it only does two or three times in, in the morning when I back up early in the morning. Well, you know what? The most important thing is that you did get it checked and it's done. And, uh, you know, that you do have brakes. They are working properly. And I can tell you that it's a normal kind of sound. You're just going to have to live with it. Right. Alrighty. So it won't do any harm at all. Either. Not what's just to your ears. That's about all. <laughs> okay, thank you very much, guys. You're very okay. welcome. I hope the SPCA wasn't listening, eh? No. All right, then, um, Mr. Lant, ready? Jeff Coy will be coming on from uh, Land Insurance in about exactly. five minutes. Oh, perfect, perfect, Follow perfect. your script. You're getting worse than Dave. I can't read and, and talk at the same time. <laughs> so you guys backed the Pinney Series, is that right? We did, actually. We're not this uh, necessarily this year, but we'd have in the past uh, the uh, Braves Auto and uh, Matthew Scannell, mm-hmm. who's I think he right. won as one of the uh, youngest drivers. Yeah, no, he was the youngest rookie of the year in uh, NASCAR Canada history. And when I talk about NASCAR Canada history, there have been several sponsors of the National Stock Car Series. Right now it's the Penny Series, and hopefully it will remain the Penny Series for years to come. I think it was a previous sponsor when Matthew won that award. But no, he did terrifically. Yeah, driving and, NASCAR before he had a driver's license. Yeah. Question well, now, are all, the, ra- are all the, the series, is it just Ontario, or does it go further than no, that? No, no. This goes across the country. We okay, do, national we predominantly sponsor in Ontario. It's mm-hmm. uh, been a great uh, resource for us in terms of sort of getting the OMVIC message out there to consumers because obviously people who like cars watch NASCAR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. They love the racing. And, it's, and, it's, and Alan, it does. It goes from, from uh, they, they haven't been to BC for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but uh, they go from Alberta through Saskatchewan, Ontario, Quebec, uh, Nova Scotia. 
Riverside wow. Riverside uh, Speedway, which is just outside of Annie Ganish. Isn't uh, racing how you make a small fortune out of a large one? That's the, that's <laughs> that's the name of the game. Unless your name is Roger Penske, uh, we'll probably then, agree. But uh, he's no, done no. well. The fellow's no, no. done well. He's done well. <laughs> okay, this is uh, Dave's Corner Garage. We're going to be talking to Jeff Coy from Lant Insurance. So if you've got a specialty car, you may want to stick around. We'll be right back. How's that for timing? Exactly. Unique needs. I like that. See. I, I like the value part of it, okay? And I'm sure a lot of people do. A lot of people listen to our show. They're looking to save themselves some money. They want to make sure they don't get ripped off. And, um, you know, on the phone we have, uh, we have Jeff Coy from Lant Insurance. Jeff was down at the, uh, the uh, what do we call it, the town hall meeting that we had? Yeah, along yeah at with the, the Canadian auto International Auto Show. Exactly. I had we had other two in. guests here as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, you guys have special insurance for special cars. Tell us all about it. Yes, we do. We uh, we specialize in classic car insurance, so it's insurance designed, you know, to meet the needs and uh, the uniqueness of classic car owners who, uh, you know, they don't drive their car every day and they're not uh, commuting with it. So it's uh, designed specially for that and priced accordingly. So it's on average, it's about forty-five to fifty percent less than regular auto insurance. Now that's that's for coverage for the entire year, correct? It's not like you're only going to bother taking it for the six months that you're owning it, you're driving it. No, we our policies are year-round, um, and that's how the rates are factored in. They're kind of prorated. We know that the cars aren't used, you know, 12 months of the year, seven days a week, so it's, it's, uh, it's based on you know, limited use. Now, you know, I've got an email from one of my co- my listeners because we were talking a couple of weeks about a, a classic car, and he was taking exception to the fact that that one wasn't a classic, for example. Um, we do see a big difference in, in, in evaluations, right? Um, yeah. You could have the same, you know, 1972 Mustang. One could be worth 5000 the other one be worth 500000 How do you come to a price or an agreement in terms of how much the people are going to pay for insurance? Well, we start the conversation with the client and, uh, you know, go based on um, usually it's it's a client calling up with their just bought the car. Mm-hmm. So we start at the purchase price and then we have uh, resources that uh, track all of the uh, values through all the auctions across North America. And that gives us, a, a, you know, a market value, current market value, and that's what we insure to. It's an agreed value with the customer. And then and once you, we settle on the amount, it's guaranteed. We ask for pictures, copy the ownership, and uh, yeah. And on occasion, we will ask for an appraisal if it's something that's uh, you know very unique or or we just can't come to agreement on on a value. Because it happens on occasion that someone buys a car um, and hasn't done any homework. I mean, they don't really know a whole lot. I, I we had years ago, we had a fellow on the the show from <coughs> the uh, the Model A Association, and he was saying that you know a Model A at the time. Looking pristine was only worth about ten grand because mm-hmm. there were so right. many of these vehicles. Yet, you know, you get somebody who's uneducated says, "Oh, I love that car. How much do you want for it?" And, and Buddy asks for twenty grand, and all of a sudden he thinks he's, you know, he's getting a deal, and he pay for that, and it drives the market crazy. So, I, I guess you must have a situation periodically where someone says, "Well, this is what I paid for it," and you're sort of scratching your head, going, "Wow, I hate to inform you, but your car is not worth anywhere near that." Does that happen? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Mm-hmm. Um, not not a lot, but uh, it does happen. And you know, it uh, it's a conversation we just have to have with the client. And like I said, if if it really comes down to we're we're not uh, meeting, then uh, we we ask them to get an appraisal. You know, get a third party 
uh, right. take a look at it in case it is something unique that we're missing. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, the odd time, you know, especially with, that's a good example of Model A where, you know, it's a class, it's, it's the ultimate classic, you know, antique car, but uh, they really haven't moved in value in 15 years. Right, and there was billions of them made. It's, it's like yeah. it's like how much is your beetle worth? You know, not a whole lot yeah. of dough, right? Yeah. Uh, now, right. in a, in a worst case situation, people have uh, you know taken the car out. They were in a parade. They were in a uh, a historical car race, for example, and and they've damaged the car. How do they go about getting it fixed and making a claim? Well, they contact uh, our office to to initiate the claim, mm-hmm. and then we have a specialty uh, claims adjusting company that looks after the classic cars mm-hmm. and uh the the biggest benefit there is the client chooses the shop you know so you go where where you had worked on before or right. where someone in your club is recommended mm-hmm. and uh you know and and your your car is is you know fixed um back to its original state you know up to the value that we've agreed on you know in, in the policy well, that sounds good because, you know, a lot of people are personally involved, you know, in, in their, their restoration of their vehicles. Maybe some people actually did work themselves. Um, but certainly they're going to trust the shop that, that they've used to restore that car, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and if it's a case where the person, you know, has done all the work themselves, then uh, we'll make arrangements that, you know, for them to do it as well and uh, compensate them to uh, get the car back together. All right, super. And if people want to find out more about land insurance, how do they do that? Uh Call our office, 1-800-461-4099, or uh, go to our website, landinsurance.ca. You can get a quick quote in 15 seconds. Whoa, that doesn't take long. No. 24-7? Yep. Wow. All right, Jeff, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, and it was great having you down at the car show. It was uh, yeah. nice to meet you in person. Yep. Good he's, to see you. He's a classic, too, eh? <laughs> All right, we got to run. This is uh, Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be back with uh, some calls. I've got Dina on the phone who's got a problem with rust, I think. We're going to take her call and yours, too. Give us a shout right now. This is Dave's Corner Garage. Welcome back to Dave's Corner Garage, and the auto show continues on. Did you get a chance to go down there and uh, put your name on the, the special car? No. You can write your name on the car. And what happens? It's a 150-year-old It's a commemoration for the whole deal. It's a great idea. Yeah, well, well, base it, of the escalators can't miss it. Well, everything was 150. It was 150 since the first car was made in in on in absolutely, Canada? and it's there. By the way, it's a steam steam car, mm-hmm. and uh, the amazing thing is that it was one of the first of its type made in the world. You know, we're not talking about just Canada here. Mm-hmm. We're talking, and we we in and I'm talking about the Canadian uh, entrepreneur spirit. You know, it's amazing to think about. All of when they invented the car mm-hmm. and the car got going, everybody knows about Henry Ford. Well, you know, up here in Canada, we had the Tudhope mm-hmm. up in Aurelia. We had the McLean brothers down in Truro, Nova Scotia. They were they were they were kind of doing the research and doing the building in tandem with everybody else. But we had such a small population in those days mm-hmm. that they couldn't sell enough of them to keep their head above water. And so they all kind of went bankrupt <laughs> by the end of the First World War. That was too bad. And, and, of course, they had to be somewhat robust because we didn't have roads. That's true. You know, all we had was cart paths, really. That's right. All right, we got a lady on the phone. Her name is Dina, and she's got a problem with rust, I think. Dina, what can we do for you? Yes, good morning. Nice good morning. to talk to you. Thank you. Um, I have a 2005 Dodge Caravan. 2005, yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, rusting at the bottom, you know, the doors and at the bottom of the car there. I took it to a body shop where I usually go, and it said, no, it will cost too much to 
uh, you know, keep the rest in control. Right. I was wondering if it was worth for me to check out at the Crown uh, Rust Control, you know. Well, what you could do, and in, in, in the, the rust that you see, is it just bubbling of the paint, or do you actually see big pieces of the car falling off? <laughs> I think I see some pieces of the car that <laughs> if I touch it's going to fall off. Sitting on the dock <laughs> of the bay, <laughs> well, push it off. <laughs> well, Dina, you, uh, I mean, you're certainly welcome to go by Crown, and, and what they will do is they'll put it on the hoist. Hopefully, yeah. they, hopefully they won't break it. Um, and they're going to look at the rust, and they're going to try to tell you if they can help you or not. If they cannot help you, of course, it, there's not going to be any charge. But well, it, There's it, not going to be any charge just to go see them, right? That's correct, just to have a look. It's not going to be a charge at all. Right, because, right. you know what, they don't want to take your money if they don't feel they can help you at all. Good. Yeah, um, even this in my body shop, they didn't want to take my money. They said, no, oh, it's too costly. Maybe it costs you $1,500, and the car's probably not worth that much, you know? Well, you know what, they're trying to be nice. I mean, we, we have the same thing in the repair side of things, you know, where yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. where repair is, is worth more than the vehicle, right, it, it, right, it, yeah. it really doesn't pay, you know. Sometimes people have a sentimental value. Um, yeah, I know, because my husband used to drive, my husband passed away two and a half years ago. Yeah, sorry. So I really want to keep that car. It runs beautifully. The car just runs beautifully. That's oh right, God. but unfortunately they rust in this country, so we're going to have to say goodbye. Uh, but you know what? She could keep the car in the garage and then just buy another one, because uh, hey, needs to get around, yeah. right? And uh, Omvik, if people want to buy used cars, they should be buying from where? We always recommend that they buy from a registered motor vehicle dealer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have protections uh, for them in terms of uh, compensation fund up to uh, $45,000. Uh, we also have uh, uh, complaint handling service. I was just speaking with uh, Norris uh, before one of the breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, uh, in 2016, we returned approximately a million dollars to consumers. And, and that is an amazing amount of money. It is, too. I mean, in the old days, you could bitch and complain, but you didn't necessarily get anything. Right. But, but, but now you can. Um, now, in, in terms of, because I, I just had a caller on the other, not a caller, sorry, a, f- a fellow in the studio. It, <laughs> where am I? It's my job. A fellow at the shop uh, who was complaining about some noises, and he had 100Ks on the car, and it was already eight years old. And, I said, and I'm thinking, perhaps you should have just bought a new car. Um, because at the end of the day, I really couldn't find a whole lot wrong with it. Um, there has to be some pretty catastrophic issues with it if you're buying it used. Like, you just can't take it back to the dealer and say, I've got some noises or I've got some little, you know, niggly things, right? It's always going to be contextual, right? So if you're buying a one-year-old car versus a 10-year-old car, it's going to be a much different context in terms of what your reasonable expectation of that vehicle right, is. Reason- and, right. Yeah, and, and, you know, we, we try to be, we try to approach it from, from that context and, uh, and be fair both to the, the purchaser and, and to the dealer. In fact... Uh, we were just, just looking at the statistics about uh, 1.2 million uh, motor vehicle transactions from our registrants last year. We had 1,000 complaints. Um, and with those 1,000 complaints, we returned a million dollars to the consumer. So, you know, the vast majority of transactions actually go well. But when it doesn't, it's nice to know that there's somebody out there looking out for you. Exactly. And, you know, you find out after the fact that there's a lien. I, I heard that if a car gets stolen fast enough, the authorities don't even know about it. And, and you could possibly buy it. And uh, you're out of pocket. But again, if you buy it from a registered dealer, there is a compensation fund, so you can get it back. Well, you know, if it's stolen, you have to go to the insurance company. But that's a different type of issue. But no, 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 uh, no that you bought a stolen one. Is <laughs> fair what <I'm> enough. Saying. <laughs> you know, hey, you know how much money I saved. It does happen. It, it does happens. happen. It happened yeah. to a friend of mine who bought a who bought a a a what was alleged to be a six month old car from and she got the ad out of a well-known publication i don't mm-hmm. want to slander anybody here yeah and uh she lost every cent wow because terrible. it was a stolen car 
Well, next week on the show, we're going to have Jeff Coy. He'll be in the studio from Lant Insurance. So if you've got a specialty car and you need some special questions answered, you can give us a call. Uh, sitting beside me will be Brian Mask, who's a race car driver, automotive writer as well. Uh, Dave will still be away. Oh, my God. And uh, I want to thank my guests for coming in today, taking time out of their busy day. Norris, you're going back to the show? Back to the auto show for the last two days. Always a pleasure having you in the studio. It's been great being here, Alan. And you're going to be watching the race tomorrow or what? Uh, I don't know whether I'm going to be. I, I might have to record it. Uh, DJ is going to be we'll watching the Oscars. Our Canadian flag could be going over to winners. I know. Well, I, duty calls. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and thanks, Michael Rothy, taking time. You being the director of legal services, you're a big shot there, eh? Well, you know, as he's the uh, emeritus, I guess I'm the embarrassitis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks I want to thank Jeff, and I want to thank the man behind the desk who's doing a job on the knobs. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, drive safe. We'll see you next week. Just sing a song and bring the sunny This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.